Welcome to the Unplayable Podcast, brought to you by Qantas, Spirit of Australia, and Australia are 2-0 up in the 2023 Ashes Series. And now we're in Leeds, ahead of the third test. Very tight turnaround, but it feels like there are still lots of talking points to cover, and one in particular. Josh Shonafing is my name, Louis Cameron's joining me, and we're only a couple of days away from that third test, Louis. Yeah, I mean, it's been an extraordinary reaction to um, what seemed like a pretty simple piece of cricket really something that we see pretty often that's definitely the Australian's view I know that's my personal view I think it's also the view interestingly of a lot of English former English players who have played the game and um scratching their heads a little bit about some of the reaction to to it all um it's probably a good thing that we only got a three-day turnaround between these tests because if it was as long as the last test or as uh, long as a gap between the last tests or as long as a gap between the sec- uh, third and fourth tests uh, we would have been talking about this for a whole week. And I don't know if I could have done it, Josh. I don't know if I could have done it. So uh, I'm glad we're going to get some cricket tomorrow. It's certainly become a very um, us-against-them, I think, mentality. England are probably happy to keep this conversation going because it takes the spotlight a little bit off their performances so far. Um, but their pl- their team and their players have certainly um, backed what Ben Stokes have said about uh, whether they think it's in the spirit of the game or not. Whereas on the other side of the fence, uh, it's not really even a spirit of the game conversation. It's, yeah, I mean, it begs the question whether England have done it as a deliberate ploy to um, yeah, to um, deflect some attention over being 2-0 down the series. In a series that I don't think they've played that badly in. I think it's been um, it's been really close, two really close tests. Um, England could have won either, but, you know, you'd have to think they'd, they're looking at it and going, well, um, we didn't win it and, you know, what did we do? what do we need to do differently to win? So for the selection table, I think there's going to be a few changes that we've, we've seen reported already, but yeah, I mean, you'd, you'd hope to think that they haven't used it as a, as a deliberate ploy like that, because I think it's, you know, caused some um, legitimate kind of, uh, you know, it's really called some people's characters into question. And I don't think you'd want to be doing that too lightly. I even think about how uh, the MCC reacted to, the day one issue with the Just Stop Oil protesters who got onto the ground and, you know, Johnny Besto had to, to carry them off. It was funny that he was involved in that one too. And, and they issued a statement really quickly, basically condemning it in the strongest possible terms that, um, you know, in, invading the pitch isn't acceptable under any circumstances. I don't think um, too many people would disagree with that. But then when you compare that to how they um, reacted to, or the statement they issued after um, you know, the Australians were getting <laughs> abused left, right and centre walking through the, the long room. It was, um, yeah, three members have, have been ejected and uh, three members have been had their membership suspended, but they kind of said that, well, the vast majority were doing the right thing and it wasn't a strongest possible condemnation in the same way as the other thing. So, um, yeah, that's I think that would leave a sour taste in a lot of people's mouths. We saw how rowdy it got at Lords on the final day there and Leeds notoriously is the loosest of the English venues and it seems as if you know parts of the English media have been telling the crowd, well, it's time to really get behind your team and get stuck into these cheating Aussies. Are we going to see what we saw on day five but on an even grander scale here in Leeds, do we think? Yeah, no doubt we will. Uh, I think, you know, what Joe Root said yesterday in terms of he got asked directly, you know, what would your message be to your home Yorkshire fans? You know, Joe Root's from Sheffield, not, um, not too far down the road, and he basically just said support England. You know, that's that's the most important thing. Pat Cummins has said that he doesn't understand why anyone would come to a ground, you know, wanting to abuse the other team or abuse someone they don't agree with. So, look, there's going to be elements of that, no doubt, um, and they're prepared for it. 
Um, let's just kind of hope that it roughly stays in the right spirit. I, I think back to the first test at Edgbaston, um, and I know that uh, was at times on the edge a little bit and, you know, pretty ferocious for the Australians. But I think overall they supported their team in a, in a pretty, in a pretty good way. They, um, you know, they, there were a lot of chance against the Aussies and, and those kinds of things. But I think on the whole, um, there wasn't too much, um, out of line and that's, that's great. That's what we, we all come here. We want people to care about the game. We want the atmospheres to be awesome. This is what we love about the ashes. So, um, you kind of can't complain too much if it, you know, teeters into into territory that you know maybe we don't completely agree with. And the other point I think we should always add in this is England players cop it just as badly uh, when they come to Australia, and the Australian crowds are bigger in a lot of respects. So when they you know play at Boxing Day, um, they, they play at the MCG on Boxing Day, they cop it pretty hard. Um, so we shouldn't. This is a you know the crowd abuse is a, a global problem, um, not just one. Uh, you know, in England, but this is a series we're in at the moment. All right, let's talk about some cricket then, shall we? Uh, we had a look, oh, a brief look at the pitch at Headingley yesterday. It was quite green, um, but that's not uncommon for up here. And it seems as if, as you mentioned before, we've seen some reports of the English team. They're going to go heavy on the fast bowlers once again. Um, do we want to start with that and where we think the English team might go based on the uh, reports we've seen from the Telegraph? Yeah, so um, Telegraph reported that uh, England, and this might be confirmed by the time people are listening to this podcast, that um, England are going to go with four quicks. Jimmy Anderson is out. Uh, Chris Wokes is in as a bit of a like-for-like, like, and Josh Tung will go out for also a like-for-like like in Mark Wood, a faster, you know, their fastest bowler, basically. Uh, Moen Ali will then come in, basically, for Ollie Pope. I was about to call him Lloyd Pope there for a minute. I had to stop myself. <laughs> Not Lloyd Pope. Ollie Pope. Uh, and they'll basically shift everyone up one except for Brooke, who will leapfrog Root in, in going bat at number three. That's what's been reported. Interesting kind of a few different mixed things coming out of the England camp. So Stuart Broad, I noted in his column this week, said that right down the bottom at the very end, he said, we've got to win three games, so we're going to get three result pitches to finish the series. First of all, I'd point out that we've already had two result pitches. <laughs> the results just haven't been the ones England wanted. Uh, but I thought that might be an indication that maybe we're going to get some green decks that seem around a bit. Um, and then Root also, you know, who's a local, he plays his county cricket at Headingley, although he doesn't play that much county cricket anymore, given he, he spends more time with the Rajasthan Royals. That, that was a cheap dig. I was only, only joking, Joe Root, if you're listening. Um, but he said that there was a lot of live grass on the wicket. So he yeah. um, noted that you know maybe he'll do a bit. But then if that team selection does come through, as that's not the team you select on a green seamer. You don't need four fast bowlers, including Mark Wood, on a seamer. And Ben Stokes. And, and ben, exactly. Well, yeah, five fast bowlers. Uh, let's call it five and a half because we're not really sure when he's going to bowl. And also Moe Alley as a spinning option. Uh, so that would be – that seems like the team you pick for one of the pitches that we've had in the, the first two tests. So, yeah, it'd be interesting to see, you know, A, whether that is the team they pick and B, what kind of track we end up with. It would be a big uh, show of support for their batters who haven't necessarily fired yet in this series despite all the pre-series talk about how explosive and how damaging they were going to be. Um, but to replace Pope, the number three, and vice-captain with, yeah, an all-rounder, uh, it's a big show of confidence in their top order. It is, yeah, and it is an attacking option. You're right, their batting lineup, probably apart from Joe Root in the first test, Ben Stokes in his second test. Besto, you know, has, has looked really good. He made a, a good 70 or 80 in the first test. 
Um, and Brooke, Duckett was good. And Duckett, yeah, was. yeah. So uh, Crawley's probably the one where you, you'd probably be looking at and, and wanting a bit more, but even he on that first day. Um, so they've they've all kind of contributed enough. The one I thought that they might have looked at, um, and this would have been a, a controversial one, would be uh, to have replaced Pope with Ben Folkes, who England say is the best wicketkeeper in the world. From what I've seen, that seems to be... 100% the case. Uh, and Johnny Bairstow is a fantastic batsman. He's a motivating figure for this team. Obviously, he's going to be fired up. In Pretty good security guard as well. Good security guard, yep. So that's that's important, especially if, if things do get a bit hairy at Headingley. It's at his, his home ground. So if there's um, if they're riding, he might be able to calm them down like <laughs> Shane Warne did at, uh, at the MCG in that one day or all those years ago. Uh, so he needs to be in the team. But whether he needs to have the gloves is a separate question. Um, and, you know, he just hasn't kept well the first two games. I think that's, you know, objective that uh, – and, you know, the guy's coming off a, a broken leg. Um, he's coming off a long time with no cricket. So, you know, maybe it's understandable that he's not moving as sharply as he used to. Um, so I would have thought Ben Folks would have really strengthened their team. Um, and if you're thinking about – so they're bringing an extra bowler potentially to take mm. 20 wickets – I would say that having a really, really good wicketkeeper will help you take 20 wickets. Um, he, Bairstow let four chances go down in the first test. That cost him a lot of runs. Probably wasn't quite on the same scale in the second test, but you know, I'd be looking at that as, as a real area for improvement. And when you compare how well Australia's wicketkeeper Alex Carey's been going, um, it's a stark con- contrast between the sides, isn't it? Because Carey's taken a number of crucial catches at um, important points of the matches. Mm-hmm. And it sort of tipped the balance in Australia's favour, whereas Besto had the opportunity to do that on a couple of occasions and has just missed that chance. Really good point. I've noticed Alex Carey is really good at stumping blokes from uh, off fast bowlers as well. Have you have you noticed that? In this uh, yeah, he's going, especially uh, yeah, Cameron Green. Yeah. yeah, I don't know if you noticed in this, but he, in this series there was one notable example where he, he stumped a guy off a, off a fast bowler. But yeah, his, his keeping's been really good. His batting was, was excellent in the first two tests. Uh, sorry, his batting was really good in the first test. He made a couple of starts in the second and didn't quite go on with them. But um, huge improvement. I think we've said a few times in this podcast, but it bears repeating. Just the improvement from his wicket-keeping. I remember watching him in the early days, maybe keeping to Zampa, um, and there are, who's a, kind of a hard guy, I would imagine, to keep to because he's you know very flat, always at the stumps. Uh, gets a lot of those little uh, little nicks. Um and, you know, there were a few chances it kind of went down and stuff and you go, oh, well, you know, maybe keeping to spin is in his strong suit. Um, it's not something you get a lot of grounding in in um, Sheffield Shield cricket uh, back in Australia. I think Sheffield Shield cricket prepares test cricketers really well, but um, whether you get that same uh, practice against high-quality spin um, is a different question. So, you know, that was maybe a bit that he needed to improve and he's improved it. He's, he's gotten a lot better um, and he's he's also tidied up how he he's always been a really athletic uh, diving wicket keeper. I remember in his first big season with South Australia, he took a bunch of like one-handed catches off Chad Sayers, keeping back. Um, but I think it's even like the little ones uh, where you remember in that first Ashes series that where he had the gloves, he missed a couple going to his left. I think it was off left-handers. Um, for me, the Mitchell Stark um, kind of. Uh, or it might have even been right arm bowlers bowling around the wicket and just creates a different angle with your slips cord and, uh, and the kind of direction you need to go with your catches. Um, he's tidied all that, that up beautifully and, um, you know, at the end of this series, we might be going, this guy's one of the best wicket keepers in the world. 
Yeah, well, the record for stumpings in the series is nine. He's currently got four. Mm. Only two tests in. He's a chance to take that if the English batters keep running down the wicket. <laughs> or, or just keep wandering out of their crease when, <laughs> well, before, the, right. before the umpire calls over. Oh, of course. Yeah. that can, So that's number five. He's actually got five. Was that, that was the fifth stumping, yeah. was it? Okay. Yeah. So well, he's right on track for a world record here, Alex. Yeah. yeah. Johnny Bairstow might be just staying at his crease. So I'd be very surprised if uh, he gets another stumping off Johnny Bairstow in this series. <laughs> Let's have a look at the Australian team. Pat Cummins gave a few hints to their selection uh, when he spoke to the media. And it looks like there's going to be another change in the fast bowling department. And, of course, we know about the change in the spin bowling department. Nathan Lyons' Ashes series is unfortunately over with that calf injury. Todd Murphy could come in if the pitch and the conditions are right. And Todd also spoke to the press yesterday as well, Lou. Yeah, he did. And I was, again, I think a lot of other people were, were struck by how poised and mature this guy who's only 22 years old is. He just was a um, just a really polished guy. And I know that's one of the things that, that the Australian team have been struck by with Todd Murphy. And one of the reasons I think they're just going to play him, like it wasn't even a question of, um, you know, whether, you know, they play another fastball. Like Todd Murphy, they just basically said he's going to play. That's pretty amazing, really. Like you think about Nathan Lyons played 100 tests. Um, I saw a tweet just before that they posted the team, the, the 11. I think it was maybe Channel 7 on Twitter, posted the 11 of the last Australian test team that didn't have Nathan Lyon in it. Oh. And it was, you know, like Phil Hughes was in there. It was one of the Ashtonaga games in the 2013 yeah, wow. Ashes. Yeah. Uh, completely unrecognisable. So you would think it would be a, a discussion for him to go, oh, well, let's have a think about how we balance this team to replace this unreplaceable kind of guy. But it was immediately, no, Todd is going in. Um, and yeah, all that all that faith they had in him kind of paid off in India, where he had a fantastic debut series, a really difficult role to come in and bowl off spin as a second right arm off spinner against uh, with Nathan Lyon, uh, and did it really well. So um, that's a, it's a big tick for him. So I think that's that's basically a certainty that he'll come in and take the spin spot. The other one is probably it seems like Hazelwood uh, and Boland are probably fighting it out for that last spot. Uh, maybe let's have a listen to what Pat Cummins said at the press conference about Josh Hazelwood. Yeah, he'd be the obvious one you'd, you'd be a bit more careful of. Um, you know, he, the tour so far for him has gone as well as he could have hoped. Um, no injuries, um, but he is in kind of uncharted territory for the last year or two. So, um, yeah, I, I think there'll be some conversation around that. Um, I think he bowled 25 and 35, which isn't extreme numbers, but again, you're way up. Um, yeah, this game versus the last two, how he's tracking. So, yeah, we'll just work throughout over the next couple of days. So Hazelwood's had a few injury issues. We know that uh, Scott Boland would, you know, that it's a downgrade in the sense that if we're going to see more of this fast, uh, fast bouncer kind of tactics and really flat wickets and that's what you need to do to get 20 wickets, um, I think Hazelwood offers you more with that. He's a little bit quicker. He's a little bit taller. Um, and, you know, he got Ben Stokes out on that last day executing that, that ploy. So um, that's not nothing, but they've also got Cameron Green, Mitchell Stark, Pat Cummins, who are very tall and very fast. And let's be honest, Scott Boland isn't tiny and he's not slow. It's, you know, we're talking about small differences here, but it's probably just not his strength. Like he's more of a bash the wicket, hit that, you know, really hard length, uh, always moving the ball into the right-handers. That's his kind of go. Uh, we saw England really attacked him in that first test at Edgbaston, but he had, a, he had a cracking game at the World Test Championship final at the Oval. He's probably Australia's best bowler in that game. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's on equal footing in my eyes with those other 
Um, probably the other two, Stark and Hazelwood, I've got him on equal footing with. I think Pat Cummins is – we need to, a whole separate podcast to talk about how good Pat Cummins is at the moment. He's just an incredible bowler. But, yeah, short answer, <laughs> bowling in for Hazelwood seems the most uh, likely thing at this point. Okay, stay tuned for the Pat Cummins Love In podcast. It's <laughs> coming very shortly. Might need a whole hour for that one. <laughs> and it's also going to be Steve Smith's 100th test match uh, this week, uh, obviously debuting back in England in 2010 He's had a wild ride coming in as, I think he came in as a leg spinner, if you can confirm mm, that. I'm not sure. Yeah, I haven't heard that before. Was he uh, a leg spinning all-rounder, was he? The yeah. batter number eight. Yeah. yeah, worked his way up the order. He was he, a bit of a joke teller, I believe, in those early days, and that might have what, got him in the team. Okay, yeah. right. Um, he's now scored 32 test hundreds, which is just phenomenal. He's the second most for Australia, and he has showed no signs of slowing down. Well, I guess my question to you is, what are your Steve Smith memories and favourite moments and what are we going to see from him in this 100th test match? I, I really love uh, the exercise that we were kind of, well, you mostly did and I offered a little bit of input on ranking his top 10 best 100s uh, that's up on cricket.com.au at the moment. Really good work from Josh Schonefinger on that and it was really like splitting hairs. Like I think I kind of came in and said, oh, no, nah, I think we need to put the – the 2014 Centurion turned a little bit higher and then, uh, you know, so we kind of put that up to maybe three or four and then slotted down the second innings at Edgbaston in 2019. And then I watched the video that's gone up on our side as well recently where Marnus Labuschagne said that second innings was even better than the first innings, which is what we have as number as number one. So I'm like, oh, gee, well, if Marnus is saying that, then, you know, who are we to disagree? So it's, you know, a really fun exercise. I think there was another one where um, I – uh, there was a test I was at at Gaul last year where he made 145 in the first innings. Australia lost the game. Um, but I'm like, no, nah, that needs to be in the top 10. That was a fantastic yeah. innings given that was basically a revolution going on in the background and probably only Steve Smith could have tuned all that out. Um, that's probably my – I just remember like loving that series and loving that test so much. Um, so maybe the fact Steve Smith made 100 in, in that one is really up there for me. I wasn't at the Pune um, – the Pune test in 2017, but I think I said to you that that had to be higher. Maybe what did you have it? Maybe three or four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. I think it's up to number two now. So. Yeah, well, and it's all completely fair debate. Like, there's no right or wrong answer in it. But I remember watching that on the TV back home and going, "This is." He did get dropped a few times, but that pitch was an absolute minefield, and he was just doing whatever he wanted um, with Ashwin and Jadeja. Like the degree of difficulty on that innings was insane. Um, so yeah, it's it's been an extraordinary career. Un, he bats unlike anyone else we've ever seen. The, the other, um, you know, really, he's just this really quirky guy. The video, um, another video that we put up uh, in the last twenty four hours is the him picking the bats, uh, his own bats out of a um, out of a lineup with a blindfold, and he can tell he's numbered all his bats, and he can tell which one's which. Um, with just by picking him up. That's freakish, isn't it? It's quite phenomenal. You do need to check out that video on our social media, cricket.com.au, and also the website. Uh, he's had such a phenomenal career. What I noticed when I was ranking those uh, centuries is that he's got these incredibly good hundreds, and we have to rank them at 20 and 22 and 23 because he's got just a huge catalogue of fantastic centuries and I think that comes into it how just how quality he's been throughout his career as well he doesn't score a lot of a lot of uh, junk time hundreds yeah yeah and the uh, and you're 100% right and I, I think that list you ended up it was basically like a 
a ranking of what the different difficulties were that he was facing. So um, we were kind of talking about the 162 he made against India in the 2014-15 series when Philip Hughes had just died. And, the you know, you kind of go with, you know, that Indian bowling attack wasn't that strong. It was reasonably flat wicket. But, you know, to go out and bat when your mates just died, you know, a few weeks before, like that's um, incredibly difficult and incredibly hard to, you know, compartmentalise. How do you compare that with, you know, making a, a century against Jadeja and Ashwin on a, on a Bunsen burner? So um, he's done it in so many different circumstances and um, it's, been a, it's been an awesome career. You kind of said before he's so known no sl- signs of slowing down. We kind of did a little bit, like it, for the couple of years after the 2019 Ashes, mm. he did look like he was slowing down, but it seems like he's picked it up back up again and he's just constantly working at his game and maybe he's – I even thought during the first Ashes test that maybe his hand-eye coordination had gone just a little bit. I saw him get um, – well, we all saw him get pinned LBW by Stokes. Uh, I can't remember if it was the first or second innings, but a ball that kept low slightly. But it was, it was the kind of one that in 2019 he would hit for four through the leg side. Um, and, you know, balls just do kind of stay low in England. There's more variable bounce in the pitches. And I thought, oh, maybe that's just a sign. And then he comes out and hits 100 in the next test. So, um, yeah, amazing cricketer. At 34, he's probably got a few more years left in the tank as well. So can't wait to watch that. This has been the Unplayable Podcast brought to you by Qantas, Spirit of Australia. Can't wait for the third test and we'll catch you for the daily episodes throughout. Mm-hmm.